This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for gathering saints together. We're here, Lord, around you, and we're asking you, Lord, to open our hearts, open your words, speak to us, plant seeds within us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Matthew 23, this chapter here, we're coming to the end of this chapter, the last few verses here, Matthew 23, verse 34 through 39. Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them you shall kill and crucify, some of them you shall scourge in your synagogues, and persecute them from city to city, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, son of Berechias, whom you slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her children under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth, till ye shall say, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Now, in this chapter, the Lord Jesus, where we've come to so far, has finished his seven woe unto you pronouncements, very serious, on the scribes and the Pharisees, where he is the great judge. We've seen that. He's the great judge. He's the judge of all mankind. And in a sense, he sits in between crossroads. One road goes to heaven on his right side. Another road leads to hell on his left side. And every person is gonna come to those crossroads at the end of his life, after death, where each person 
will look at that road to heaven on the right, look at that road to hell on the left, and the Lord Jesus sitting as the great judge at the crossroads. And every person is gonna look at the Lord Jesus as the great almighty judge there at the crossroads, and every person is gonna want, they're gonna yearn, they're gonna crave to hear that he can enter into that road on the right to heaven. And every person that comes to that crossroads and stands before the Lord Jesus is gonna hear one or two statements. He's gonna hear one or two statements about himself. He's either gonna hear Matthew 25, 34, Matthew 25, 34, where the Lord said, then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And if he hears that statement, he goes in to heaven. He goes on the road to heaven. Or that person is going to hear Matthew 22, 13, Matthew 22, 13, bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And if a person hears that, then he's on the road to hell. Every person is gonna come to that crossroads after death. Every person is gonna look at the Lord Jesus sitting at that crossroads and will make that pronouncement which road he needs to go in. Why? because of 2 Corinthians 5.10. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to he hath done, whether good or bad. And in this chapter, the great Lord Jesus, having finished his seven woe unto you's indictments, finished them up in verse 33, in verse 33 where he said, how can you escape the damnation of hell? The Lord Jesus now tells them that if they continue at unchanged in their life, when they come to that final crossroads in heaven, to final crossroads between heaven and hell, that he's already told them they cannot escape being cast into hell on that road to hell. And now, in light of this fact, the scribes and Pharisees were on a nonstop course into hell. Judge Jesus uses one word in which he bears his heart over the catastrophe of the situation. And in verse 34 is where we are, where he says the word wherefore. Wherefore, it shows that the great Lord Jesus doesn't take lightly casting people into hell. The great Lord Jesus bears his heart towards these very scribes and Pharisees who will later use the Romans to kill Jesus and he tells them in this verse, wherefore, wherefore, he has not wanted to send them to hell. Wherefore, he does not want to send them to hell. Wherefore, he will not want to send them to hell. That one word, therefore, in verse 34, is where he's saying, the judge is saying in 2 Peter 3, 9, 2 Peter 3, 9, the judge is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That one word, wherefore, in verse 34, Judge Jesus is the one who will, Second, 1 Timothy 2.4, 1 Timothy 2.4, who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. But they themselves, the scribes and the Pharisees, they have forced the hand of Jesus to send them to, as he calls it, the damnation of hell. His arms were already reached out to them but the problem was their unwillingness to come to him. That one day when he was looking at them in John 5.39, in John 5.39, he looked at them and he said, 
He says, go ahead, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And you will not come to me that you might have life. And so he now tells them what he's done, what he's doing, what he'll do to not cast them into the damnation of, of hell. He's telling them all that he does. He explains his efforts, his efforts in verse 34. Verse 34, he explains his efforts in one word, send, send. He says in verse 34, I send, present tense, I send, also implied, I have sent, also implied, I will send. He's saying, I have sent my messengers to you in the past. I am sending my messengers to you in the present. I am sending you, I will send you my messengers in the future. And with that statement, he's covered the past history of the Jewish people, the present state of the Jewish people, the future state of the Jewish people, as the Jewish people are the ones to whom he has sent his messengers. As for the past, that's the whole history of the Bible. That's the whole history of the Bible. The history of the Bible is the history of God sending his messengers to the Jewish people, and it wasn't easy for those messengers of God. As for the present, groups like the Israel Restoration Ministries, the Jews for Jesus, are his messengers that he's sending to the Jewish people, and it's not easy for those messengers of God working, as we have in our, our report today, in the ninth week of their 12th week on the summer blitz, the summer blitz when they're going to, around the U.S. to the Jewish people, and, and, and here's a quote from, the, from today's report. Some general difficulties. Couple of team members have been sick for a couple of days now. One of the rental cars had pretty serious issues, rain at some sites. Nothing crazy or unique, just the kind of getting ready for the last stretch run things that happen at this point in the summer. Those summer blitzers right now are going to the Jewish people across the U.S. They've been there for five weeks. They'll be there for three more weeks of this 12-week campaign. And they're part of, verse 34, behold, I send unto you prophets and scribes and scribes. So with this one statement in verse 34, Jesus has revealed an outstanding truth about himself, which anyone who was really listening to what he said had to go away from that place and say to himself, whoa, whoa, I need time to process this. I need time to think about it. When Paul realized this, it took him three years being alone, he says in Galatians 1.17, Galatians 1.17, neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. And after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. This truth that rocked Paul to his very core, that he separated himself from people for three years while he processed it all, and it's the truth that's contained in verse 34, and it's the truth that a prophet is a man who represents God to the people, and there's only one person who sends prophets. There's only one person who sends prophets. Second Chronicles 4, 24, 18. Second Chronicles 24, 18. They left the house of the Lord, the God of their fathers. They served groves and idols. Wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem for this trespass. Yet he sent prophets to them 
to bring them again to the Lord. They testified against them, but they would not give ear. Jeremiah 7.25, Jeremiah 7.25, God says, I have even sent unto you all my servants, the prophets, daily rising up and sending them. Jeremiah 25.4, Jeremiah 25.4, the Lord has sent unto you all his servants, the prophets, rising early and sending them. And you've not hearkened nor inclined your ear. Only Jehovah sends prophets. Only the Lord God Almighty sends prophets. Jesus had just said an astounding revelation in verse 34 when he introduced it with the word behold. Behold as in, just listen carefully to what I'm gonna say. This is gonna surprise you. As he said in Luke 9.44, Luke 9.44, let these sayings sink deep down into your ears. That word behold, he's saying, think very carefully about what I'm gonna tell you. In verse 34, verse 34, behold, I send unto you prophets. Since Jehovah God is the only one who sent prophets, he's saying that he is the great Jehovah God who sent the prophets. And when he said that, you could hear the unspoken thoughts of others who in the past had said in Luke 7.48, Luke 7.48, he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. They that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, who is this that forgiveth sins also? Luke 5.20, Luke 5.20, when he saw their faith, he said unto him, man, thy sins are forgiven thee. The scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this? which speaketh blasphemies. Who can forgive sins but God alone? At those times when they heard Jesus forgive sins, they knew that only God could forgive sins when they heard him say he was forgiving sins, and they knew that Jesus in those statement, in that statement had claimed to be God. So at this time, when they heard Jesus say he sent prophets, they knew that only God sends prophets and when they heard Jesus say that he sent prophets, they knew he had claimed to be Jehovah. They knew he had claimed to be Jehovah God, which is why we call him Jehovah Jesus. And this was the astounding fact that if anyone had ears to hear and was listening, would walk away saying to themselves, Luke 5.21, Luke 5.21, who is this? Who is this? Matthew 21.10, Matthew 21.10, when he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved saying, who is this? That's the question, who is this? Acts 9.5, Acts 9.5, Paul said, and he said, who art thou, Lord? Jesus is the most misunderstood person in the world. That's why he asked his disciples in Matthew 16.13, Matthew 16.13, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples saying, whom do men say that I the son of man am? And they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets, utter confusion. And he saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? Jesus Christ is only known for who he really is if he is known as Jehovah, the Lord God Almighty. Any impression of Jesus that falls short of Jesus as Jehovah is a Jesus that doesn't exist. 
is a Jesus that is a person, is a Jesus whom they've come to believe is in deception, to imagine Jesus is Jehovah, and as such, Jesus is to be worshiped as God because he is God. Jesus is to be obeyed as God because he's God. Jesus is to be prayed to as God because he's God. Jesus is to be sung to as you would sing to God because he's God. Jesus is to be seen as God the creator because he is God the creator. And this was the shock that resonated there when he said in verse 34, behold, I send unto you prophets. Now, Jesus is God, looks solemnly down the tunnel of time at this point, and he sees a terrible day. He sees a day, he sees a time, he sees a place, and there in that place, he sees the scribes, these same scribes and Pharisees. They don't know, but he sees a Pilate who did not want to crucify Jesus, and he sees these same scribes and Pharisees leading the Jewish people in deception to defy Pilate and to cry out for him to be crucified in Luke 23, 20, Luke 23, 20. Pilate therefore willing to release Jesus spake again to them, but they cried saying, crucify him, crucify him. And then there was an obstacle. The obstacle was that Pilate had said, I'm not gonna be responsible for the blood of this man. But in order to remove that last obstacle which stood in the way of the crucifixion of Jesus, he sees those same scribes and Pharisees lead the people of that generation to take unto themselves and to their children the responsibility and the guilt for the blood of Jesus in Matthew 27, 24, Matthew 27, 24. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that a rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person, see ye to it. Then answered all the people and said, his blood be on us and on our children. And because of that statement, Judge Jesus now pronounces, verse 35, verse 35, upon you, may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, son of Berechias, whom he slew between the temple and the altar. And verse 36, verse 36, verily say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. That was a horrible pronouncement, horrible pronouncement when he said that. And what caused him to make that horrible pronouncement? Because he saw in a glance, he stood there and in a glance, when he looked over the multitude being led by the scribes and Pharisees, it was what he saw in this glance. His glance took in the whole population there of the Jewish people. He saw the rich, he saw the poor, he saw the learned, he saw the ignorant, he saw the officer, he saw the servant, he saw the religious, he saw the secular, he saw the deceived, and he saw the deceiver. He saw it all in the whole population of the Jewish people who represented all of mankind. And he saw them in a single glance. And in this glance, he took in the whole population of the Jewish people. His glance took in all time of all mankind, all mankind. In his glance, 
he saw back to Abel as he was being murdered by Cain. And that murder was so vivid to him as he stood there that he could hear the deafening scream of Abel's blood from the ground that that he told Cain that he heard in Genesis 4.10, Genesis 4.10, when he said, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the grave. The Hebrew word for crieth there is the word sa'ak, and it means shriek. It's a shriek. He heard the voice of Abel's blood shrieking again in his ears as he stood there. And in his, his glance there, he saw thousands of years of time. Later, back to Zechariah being murdered at the altar. His glance took in all of that, of mankind. And in his glance, he also saw all the offers of mercy that he had made to mankind. In his glance, he saw all the refusals of mankind to his offers of mercy. He, he saw all the rejections, and that drove his heart to be filled with seeing himself as offering to man mercy to man, and man refusing and rejecting and denying again and again. And those are the words that kept bouncing back in his mind. It was the again and again, again and again. He wanted to gather his little flock together to protect them. Again and again, he wanted to make, he wanted, he wanted to make that, he wanted them to come to that vital decision to repent of their sins and come to him for life. Again and again, he wanted to save them from their enemies. Again and again, he wanted to feed them with what he called the finest of wheat and honey out of the rock. And again and again, he wanted them to think of what they will do when they die and have to stand before him in judgment, as he said in Deuteronomy 32:29. Deuteronomy 32:29. Oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. Again and again, he extended his hands of reception and mercy to them. And as he stood there, at this time, he's filled with these thoughts of again and again. He tried to change their hearts. He remembers how he yearned for them to change as he told Moses in Deuteronomy 5.29, Deuteronomy 5.29, oh, that there was such a heart in them, that they would fear me, keep all my commandments always, that they might be well with them and with their children forever. And for anyone who ends in hell, or anyone sadly ends in hell, the most agonizing thoughts in hell, which by the way is a place of perfect memory, no Alzheimer's in hell, no dementia in hell, perfect recollection, and the most horrible memories in hell are the memories of the again and again, when God reached out in mercy with an offer to save, memories of again and again when Christians tried to witness that Christ receives sinners, Memories of again and again, the rejections, the refusals, the denials, again and again. And so he's standing there and he's thinking of this again and again, and he thinks of what he said to them in John 5.40, John 5.40, you will not come to me that you might have life. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.